you can order your dinner on an app you can get your shirt laundered but when it comes to getting out with your kids and making the memories that having them is all about there wasn't a vehicle or a solution technologically that I could find for that. Welcome to our podcast series, Talk Straight, Think Smart with Howard Kennedy. My name's Adam Walford. I'm a partner at the firm and your host for this series. In this episode, I'm speaking to Hannah Feldman, co-founder of Kidaddle. Yes, we know what you're thinking, another podcast by a law firm. But this podcast isn't about us, it's about the people we're interviewing. Today, I'm speaking to Hannah Feldman, who after 16 years in the corporate world, followed her entrepreneurial destiny and co-founded Kidaddle. For those who haven't heard of it, Kidaddle is the home of family edutainment. It's a leading global website showcasing the best ideas and resources to help entertain and educate your kids. The Kidaddle platform has proven a godsend since lockdown by providing parents and carers with constant inspiration to help stimulate and engage a whole generation of children across the globe. So, hi Hannah. Hi Adam. Thanks for taking part in our podcast. Thanks for having me. We're, we're here today to talk about Kidaddle the home of family entertainment, which you started in 2016 with co-founder Sophie Orman. But before we get on to that, let's go back to the beginning. Tell me a bit about you. So I am Hannah. I am a person who had uh, a long career across the corporate world, um, across law, banking, corporate finance and media before I finally had the guts to go and pursue my entrepreneurial dreams um, when I quit my job around 2016 and met my co-founder Sophie and decided to go and try out something that had been, you know, scratching an itch that I'd had for years and I kind of went for it. Um, in that time since, I've had three children who are now twins of eight and a four-year-old and I've navigated the startup and now scale-up journey with a rather large family um, and obviously those balls that I'm constantly juggling in the air, but with a real desire to build a business that can impact the lives of families globally. That's really interesting. So you, you mentioned that you, you had a real sort of burning desire um, and an entrepreneurial spirit. Was that part of what you were when you were growing up and who you were or... Um, was it something that became apparent in your career? I always felt, if I'm honest, slightly like a square peg in a round hole in my career in the sense of I I found that I always wanted to innovate and find better ways and make things happen in a different way to what was necessarily the accepted norm. And, in, you know, you'll know in a law firm there aren't, you know, there are, of course, people that innovate, but there are limitations to that. And uh, for example, I always knew I was meant to be in front of clients. And as a junior solicitor, you know, that's not the main thing that takes up your day when you're doing corporate law. Um, so I, I often felt that certain levels, you know, managerial levels or whether it be partner managerial, more kind of rain making, deal making 
worlds were were more of a fit for me and of course we all have to earn our stripes and you know climb the the greasy pole and do the other jobs in between so I never found with any of the four careers that I tried out that I was in the place I was meant to be until I built my own business and I realized that this for a generalist who's tried everything and who has been successful to a to a degree in in those careers but never really found my mojo this has been what it was all culminating in and leading up to finding a way of making the uh, unthinkable thinkable making the impossible possible and taking people with me on a journey I, I never had the vehicle for that in my prior life but neither was I you know um, unhappy or unfulfilled in all those years prior I always say to everybody like I would care to listen that you know you can't you could do a lot worse than training as a solicitor like it, it's been an incredible transformative part of my life learning how to think um, how to argue how to collate arguments how to work with um, you know, rules and regulations and how to present to clients. And I, I would never look back and say that was wasted, but neither did I think at the time it was forever. So it always felt like a continual learning progression with something you maybe didn't know at the time, but something further on, which uh, which was going to be more fulfilling. Yes, I think, I think the thing I struggle with, which some people listening might have come across themselves, is this sense that I knew in my destiny there would be something else, but I didn't realise I had to be an active part in that destiny to make that happen. Because I thought if you knew you were destined for something, you know, the the, the skies would part and ta-da, there would be your solution. And what came to me in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s is the fact that that you have to go out and put that energy out into the world to get the, the skies to part and that you have to be part of creating that solution. And even though I knew that I would be a worthy founder or co-founder, I didn't that wouldn't just happen to me for me knowing it I had to make it happen and that was the hardest learning curve and and one of the interesting things about that then is that um this moment happened at a Hindu when you met Sophie yes yes (laughs) it did um I I was working in corporate finance at the time and I was doing sales side corporate finance for UK SMEs and working um, with the umbrella of James Kahn and his organisations, one of the, the ex-Dragons in the UK, Dragon's Den. And I, you know, really enjoyed sales side corporate finance. I love deals. I love, you know, finding clients that, that, you know, helping serve their objectives. But I was increasingly being exposed to entrepreneurial opportunities because James by his nature is so entrepreneurial and the people coming through the doors had ideas left right and center a lot of which were pitched to me as a potential you know part of of a particular opportunity and what I realized quite quickly was I loved the flattery of being thought of as somebody who could take on those opportunities but none of them pulled on my heartstrings you know, they were in areas that I found dry or I found that there wasn't much scope for innovation or I found they were very reliant on me and, you know, how many pieces of business or deals I could bring in on a given day, week or year, which wasn't that scalable. And um, when I met Sophie at the Hen, which is my cousin's Hen party, we were just sitting down on the table plan. We were next to each other at this dinner and my twins were, you know, two, two and a half at the time. And I remember saying to her just, you know, the frustrations of kind of, being a working mum, bringing up a young family and just kind of getting out and about and doing things with the use of technology. And I was saying, can't believe you can order your dinner on an app. You can get your shirt laundered. But when it comes to getting out with your kids and making the memories that having them is all about, there wasn't a vehicle or a solution technologically that I could find for that. And 
it just happened to be like, you know, two worlds colliding because she at the same time had moved to a new area with a teenage daughter and just wasn't able to navigate knowing no one and nothing, a new place and a new set of people and a new set of activities and options without any compass. And so she was thinking at the same time, having already been a seasoned entrepreneur in the global um, conferencing space, she was thinking, could there be a solution where technology could make family life easier and make family life richer and more rewarding? So you you have this meeting of like minds and hopefully it was a very fun evening and you got to know each other quite well, I would imagine. Um, Yeah, well, it was a Sunday night, which I'd always recommend not to do for a hem party <laughs> and how, how did you go about starting then so you have your formative conversation what what happens next what were the first steps I said no thanks darling uh it's a great idea and I do feel the pain but I've got a day job you know we you know have to put bread on the table and uh I I uh I couldn't get it out of my head you know I, she was like you're the one came on very strong and I was like I've got a day job that you know, rewards me handsomely and I really enjoy the client side and I'm building something of real value here. And then it was like one of those things that just would never go away. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop thinking that maybe because we had this yin and yang, I could tell already that we were mirror opposites in terms of like what our skills were. And there was something about her which was unlike anyone I'd ever met before, which having been in a people-centered role for like 15 years was surprising, but I'd never met and still haven't met anyone like her. So I, it just started eating away at me. And Sophie, um, for those you know who have had the privilege of meeting her, it, she plays the long game. She wasn't expecting the next day I'd quit my job and go and do it. She just started working away. And that meant meeting me weekly for lunch, sending me reports for consumer data in the space, looking at what the competition or lack of competition were doing, talking about, you know, how's it going this week? Have you found a better way to do stuff with the kids? You know, getting getting to see if I was finding a way to remedy the solu- the problem I brought to her in the conversation um, where she was feeling it from a different perspective. And after a few weeks, even, I felt like I was cheating you know, I felt like I felt like I was living a lie because there was so much of that welling up inside me and the potential was so great that I just, it became the, the very thing that filled my daily thoughts. And uh, there came a point where it was untenable to be doing something else and thinking about this all the time. Mm. But most people will tell you who kind of leave the corporate world to go on the entrepreneurial journey, you often do it too soon because you feel like you can't balance your thoughts about one and your actions about the other. And of course, it's just you. And if you're lucky enough to have a partner, your partner with a blank of, you know, whiteboard and uh, a lot of planning to do about potentially something that could come to nothing. So what was the original concept So when we launched, our original concept was the fact that we wanted to give parents and carers a pocket companion through an app that they could discover, book and pay for the most relevant events and activities to enjoy with their kids, which were curated and personalised around the ages and interests of their kids, their budget and location. And we wanted to be the go-to place to be able to, to enable you to get out and enjoy the world around you and make the memories with your family that having kids was all about. And so at the start, obviously, it's you and Sophie. Um, I, 
I know you've grown the team since then, obviously. Who who are the key people who have influenced the business? Um, well, I mean, we have a mixture of those in the team and those kind of part of the wider Dash advisory team um, and, and, you know, other people who've influenced us along the way. But the people, the person who's kind of the most, um, the centre point of our team, except for Sophie and I in the day to day, is is a, a girl, actually, a lady that I went to school with called Henry, um, who uh, she was working with my best friend as a coordinator in publishing and kind of I needed somebody to coordinate the multiple publishing streams when we first started creating content. And uh, four years later, she is still right front and center of our production process and, uh, uh, you know, has never looked back and has been absolutely indispensable in terms of her knowledge of the product, her ability to work with Sophie and I under, you know, a lot of pressure, which has been the case for a lot of our journey because, you know, we have to prove out of nothing that this is a scalable, tenable you know, global business. Um, And she's just an amazing person to have by our side and to have working with us on a daily basis. We're really privileged to have her. Um, Separately, we have had the support of some incredible kind of creatives and compatriots who've been there for the relevant parts of the journey, whether that's a specific skill um, or specific piece of expertise. We've got someone fantastic who oversees our SEO at present um, and our growth. Um, His name's Alex and and he's been really a formative part of our team. And as we grow the caliber of people that we attract and that want to work with us, you know, it's fantastic the kind of the the kind of CVs we're seeing over the the last couple of years and increasingly, you know, day by day, week by week. And our board are phenomenal. We have Nick Mercer, who um, was this commercial director of Eurostar, who was also at Sky and one of the founding members of the Air Miles team with Keith Mills. Um, Nick has been instrumental in our growth strategy, really at the coalface of helping us model out the scenarios for, you know, scale and the reality in terms of you know, the assumptions we're putting into our models and then how we run our teams as a result. And we have Matthew Cromack, who um, was CEO of the GoCo Group before its sale to Future um, and previously was running Last Minute and uh, Division of Expedia. And Matthew, again, like Nick, is a complete champion of both us and really adds massive strategic value add to the decisions we make and the ongoing operational running of the company but also just has that experience spanning you know decades which just cuts to the chase with a lot of decisions um very quickly and the two of them have been by our side resolutely and that has been a game changer and having a board at the right time I'd really advocate absolutely and and as you've grown um do do you target specific values within the business that are all directed to assisting with growth and and culture within the business well there's always that push and pull between the speed of growth which at our point um is entirely frenetic um and and making sure that it's culture driven in terms of the hires you make um and how they're onboarded and managed and i'd say this is something that i'm absolutely focused on at the moment because you know, the growth has outpaced anything beyond our wildest dreams in terms of the speed. But that means sometimes the wheels can come off and to make sure that the the, the speed aligns with the culture is, is a much bigger challenge than I ever would have anticipated. And so at the moment, we're actively hiring a full-time resource internally to help you know, not just with ad hoc HR, but with making that a priority so that people feel looked after from when they come in through their career with us. 
um, in a way that, you know, six months ago, we were a very embryonic team compared to the size we are now. So it's it's an ongoing challenge. Um, it's one that I have got really into because I absolutely love the people side. I love bringing talent into the business, but I have not been trained um, in the whole management of and oversight of HR. And I really want to bring in the right expert now to help us grow in the right way. Absolutely. And so then you've been progressing, made stellar growth, and then comes 2020. So when when did COVID-19 and the impact it would have first register on your radar? So um, we won um, the there's a there's a VC in in the states called SoGal, which is um, focused on female and diverse founders, and we won the UK competition that they ran for female founders at the end of 2019, and the winning prize was to go out to Silicon Valley um, to the global final to meet the finalists from across the world and present Kadaddle in Silicon Valley to the investors there. And that took place, um, I think, on the third week of February. Um, so I had, you know, booked my flights, planned it all, ready for this incredible three-day event with the leading female founders and investors from across the world. Um, heard about this thing called COVID. Couldn't wait to get on the plane quick enough because this was just such a moment that I'd kind of always imagined what would it be like to go to Silicon Valley and have those conversations and be part of that dynamic. So as I got there... The news bulletins came thicker and faster and there were people from all over the world, including all over Asia. You know, it was a global summit. Um, And we kind of, it was a back chat in the conversations, but it was kind of simmering. But we had the most wonderful time. We showcased the business. The connections were made were amazing. I have friends for life from it. And I came back and I think I was one of the last flights back in where there wasn't a kind of, oh my God, is she bringing home a deadly disease? You know, it was just that couple of weeks before. If it had been a couple of weeks later, I definitely wouldn't have got to go. In terms of for the business, we had already started investing in content as part of our growth strategy when we were much more a ticketing and event-based app for the best things to do with your family. And we had really invested in a team of fantastic writers and the ability to produce content around locations and activities so as covid started hitting we thought to ourselves right well people aren't going to want to read the 13 best things to do in windsor if they're not allowed out of their front garden what they're going to want to do is be inspired by things they can do at home which of course in time would equate to also things outside the home, but let's serve the audience because as mums ourselves, we want to make sure that's front and centre. And it was not a commercial strategy. It was just a relevancy strategy. You know, we wanted to be relevant to our audience and our whole DNA, which was getting people out, was soon to be getting people to stay in. So um, we, it was very organic. We just started doubling down on that content Um, and because we were in the right place at the right time, because we were doing it anyway, we managed to have some very, very strong wins from having that resource or compendium of resources available for people at the time that they most needed it. And by, I'd say, June, July, we were already 15,000% ahead of our growth forecast in terms of traffic to our website. 
And by the end of the year, we were over 40,000% ahead of our growth forecast in terms of visits to our traffic by going with a content first strategy to serve relevant content to a family audience to entertain and educate their kids who then became a global family audience. And now over 50% of our traffic is from America. That's so it's exactly. it was quite a year. And uh, I would say it was um, an an unplanned for pivot where we now are one of the world's fastest scaling platforms for family edutainment so Mm. entertainment and education melded into one accessible free content platform and it came almost overnight that's that's fascinating we've been talking a lot of uh, as a business about agility and in fact we've we've published a thought leadership piece on it recently which i hope you may have seen if not i'll, I'll send it to you afterwards um and one of the things we've been looking at is is uh the the speed of response and the ability so d- you mentioned that it happened organically but do you think there was something inherent in your business that made it easier for you to pivot quickly and be agile I think we were so lean. I mean, you know, I've read the lean startup. I think I think we could write write back to him and say, no, no, this is how you can be super lean because <laughs> female founded businesses. I don't know if you've read, but you know, we get we get a pittance in terms of like less than one percent of the venture capital that goes out in the market to purely female founded teams, and we aren't afforded the luxury of having budgets to burn. So we have always been so lean that you know we can calculate within a pound our expenditure as a business month to month you know it's absolutely bootstrapped to within you know millimeters of itself and therefore to to kind of pull things in or out it 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 didn't we didn't have to clean fat off the bones and say oh we'll cut this team we'll cut that team we you know we haven't had to do that at all it's the opposite we actually had to double down and actually make some investments which were perhaps pushing our run rate a bit quicker which we're always nervous about because we want to be properly funded, um, enable to to enable us to put this content out in the world. And in a sense, um, we we could be agile because the essence of our team, our business, and the nature of what we've built is entirely agile. And I never realised quite how agile until I went through twenty twenty with it. And, and and I guess that agility is going to be something that you're you're going to have to really lean on in in the coming six months. What what do you think we're going to see over the next six months for for your business, and how might your agility play play a role in that? Well, we found our new model or our new core model through COVID, and we're on track to deliver thirty million page views this year with the volume of content um, and being top of mind for the family audience that we serve so we found a very very strong rich scene that we are mining very heavily through the course of this year but we also will see a return in some way shape or form to the event business which is a where parents and families and carers go out and do amazing things with children and that's at the heart of our dna you know we our mission is all about unlocking the potential of every child and you don't know what where you're going to be able to do that you don't know if it's going to be a particular thing they do at home something they see something they do something they experience something they watch you know that's the absolute joy of the journey that we're on and the joy of raising children so for us it's all about making sure that we blend in the event side at the right time as it returns with the content side 
which is already proving that it has global scale and making sure that we can serve events to our global audience, not just our UK audience, which wasn't a problem in 2020 before March because we didn't have a global audience. So for us, it's about how quickly we can iterate, um, how quickly we can uh, evolve our product, um, how we can take that global market and serve them in a wider sense as well as through the indoor content um, and how we can do all of that without the wheels coming off. So that, that's fascinating because that, you know, that's the, the legacy of 2020 and COVID is, is that that content element of your business is a change and, and is here to stay longer term, even, even though it was a much smaller part originally. Yes. And for us, it's been a blessing because we have come out of this as the well-rounded platform that should emerge as the one-stop shop for family edutainment. That's it. Mm. Um, we were only half of that proposition before by the very nature of doing what you're told to do, which is staying focused, resolutely doing one thing really well, not trying to do a hundred things. Um, but COVID, you know, put a lot of those mantras to one side. Uh, we, we have now done another thing as well as we can do. And it's about then sewing the two sides together. So to close, we end every podcast um, with a quick fire round. Don't overthink, just say what feels right. What is your favourite activity you've done from Kidaddle? In lockdown or, or uh, previously? I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you have both. Okay, well, well, in, lock, in lockdown, we, I mean, there isn't actually anything in Kidaddle that we haven't done, but some of the things have been so fun. For example, making the family time capsule to bury in the garden about everything we've been through in terms of this year and the thing that the children would choose to put in it in terms of the variety of artifacts that you would think they would choose versus what they would choose and all the little accompanying um, written narratives that they put in about their experience of this year. And I do think for children, you know, the way they process life events, depending on the age they are, is very different to how we see it. And, And there's been a huge amount of positives as well as the obvious negatives that have come out of it for our family so some of the things you know really surprised me in terms of just the the way that they were processing the the exercise so I absolutely love doing that and I've loved doing loads of the lockdown related content whether they were scavenger hunts whether they were indoor exercise you know, I had all the best kids yoga videos I think I got more into it than the kids um <laughs> and some of the home learning aids have been really got like godsends for us and then beforehand it was finding the esoteric gems you know we had a night on this amazing historical boat that's moored by London Bridge where you get to like live, you dress in period clothing and you get to live as ship's hands in the period and you are totally immersed in history. You, okay, are sleeping on a freezing cold boat and eating gruel for your dinner. But, you know, you, you know these are things you only do once in a lifetime. And we found out about it through Cadaddle, booked it through Cadaddle. That's because somebody in the editorial team had sourced that particular opportunity. But, you know, we've done the afternoon tea buses. We've done shows that are, you know, the big shows, which sometimes surprise you because you've been living in London and you hadn't tried them. But also the small esoteric shows where it's just about kind of, again, igniting a spark. You know, if it's puppetry and the wonder of that magic or if it was, you know, something with poetry or rhyme like I just love I've always loved living in in a place where we're so overexposed to cultural things and I'm really excited for when that will come back and Kedaddle for us was the genuine product that we always had needed in our lives that we had created and that gave me huge joy plus we have um, a large social media following and a 
a private Facebook group that Kidaddlers can join where they will share their reviews and their feedback and seeing what the inventory we brought to that market, the pleasure it brought them as well um, and the feedback of their transformative family experiences for doing it. You just, you just can't, you could bottle it. It's just, it's yeah. the best. That's fun. That's really good. Um, would you rather grow your business, sell your business or start again? Grow my business because it's incredible to be in the situation that we're in now where you sometimes pinch yourself and say how far you've come, what you know now that you didn't know then, what you've what you've grown into in terms of leadership, in terms of tolerance, compassion, um, business acumen, um, the ability to put something on a piece of paper and make it happen, um, the ability to have a team come with you um, and to to envisage the future it's like priceless i mean it 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 nearly pushes you over the edge let let me not lie you know it is grueling but the the rewards are not financial for me at this point they are really in terms of the it's it's the most fulfilling working journey i've ever been on and i wouldn't give that up in a heartbeat at this point and finally when it comes to decision making are you perfection every time or launch and learn? I started this journey as perfection every time. I'm a link later's lawyer. That's what we're <laughs> that's what we're taught. You don't send things out with mistakes and you know you, you make sure that you, you do 150%. Unfortunately, startups with perfection every time do not get very far very quickly. And you soon find that what whether you get it out as perfect or launch and learn it still will change 56 times before the end of the day, if not the end of the week. So there is simply no point in honing things to perfection for them only to be started again because the hardest thing for me to grasp which Sophie my co-founder was a natural at having been an entrepreneur over 26 years was that you just have to be prepared to roll it up throw it in the bin and start again and that's just part of the journey there's no there's no quick way around that for me my professional service career made that learning very hard for her it's just second nature and now it's second nature for me as well but that is the journey I've gone on. Excellent well all that leaves is for me to say thank you for joining us today it's been great to hear your story. It's been fantastic to share it thanks for giving me the opportunity and um, I really appreciate it. So there you have it from life as a corporate lawyer to a Hindu that changed it all, to a successful app that's grown in spite of a global pandemic. Tune in next time for more insights from our entrepreneurial guests. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your content to find out which inspirational entrepreneur we're speaking to next. Mm-hmm.